Welcome to Walk in Truth. These are the Bible teachings of Pastor Michael Lance, equipping you to reach out with God's truth to all people and how to apply that truth to today's issues, trends, and culture. Learn more about the program and our church when you visit walkintruth.com. Now here's part two of Pastor Michael's teaching in Exodus chapter 7, verses 8 through 13, called The Staff and the Serpent. Some of the ancient mythology that would permeated the world, people saw dragons and monsters as something that was real and had to be de- dealt with. And the serpent in the sea represented chaos and evil. And sometimes even the ancients saw the sea as something that was unpredictable and something that was dark and chaotic. And there's some things that have been pulled out of the ocean that scientists don't even know how to categorize them. Some of them look like dinosaurs, but dinosaurs can't be contemporary because scientists have decided that they can't be contemporary. They have to belong to an age of the past. So they say, uh, what is it? Uh, I don't know. But there are some interesting creatures in the sea and some things that you may not want to run into. Amen. (laughs) And so... Here's a couple of passages directly at the Pharaoh. Son of man, set your face against Pharaoh, Ezekiel 29, 2 and 3, the king of Egypt, and prophesy against him, against all Egypt. Speak and say, thus says the Lord God. Behold, I'm against you, Pharaoh, king of Egypt, the great monster, that's Tanin, that lies in the midst of the rivers, that has said, my Nile is mine, and I myself have made it. In Ezekiel 32, 2 and 3, just for your notes, Son of man, take up a lamentation over Pharaoh, king of Egypt, and say to him, you compared yourself to a young lion of the nations, yet you are like the monster in the seas. You burst forth in your rivers and muddied the waters with your feet and fouled their rivers. Thus says the Lord God, now I will spread my net over you with the company of many peoples and they shall lift you up in my net. I'm going to catch you as someone catches a fish. God says to a later Pharaoh. And it says of Nebuchadnezzar in Jeremiah 51, 34, King of Babylon has devoured me and crushed me. He has set me down like an empty vessel. He has swallowed me like a monster, a tannin. He has filled his stomach with my delicacies. He has washed me away. Now, some of you say, Pastor Michael, why are you sharing these verses? Simply put, because if you investigate this a little bit more, some people believe that when Aaron threw down the staff, it turned into a crocodile not a snake. And there were Egyptian gods that had human bodies and crocodile heads. If you've seen Cecil B. DeMille's uh, famous The Ten Commandments, the Pharaoh is actually, I believe he sets his dead child on one of these so-called gods and prays that his child will come back to life. In Deuteronomy 32, 33, it says, their wine is the venom of serpents, tannin, and the deadly poison of cobras. I think this solves it for me, and we'll move on. Uh, But look at verse 15. This is in the the plague of the water turned into blood. It says, go to Pharaoh, Exodus 7, 15, in the morning as he is going out to the water. Station yourself to meet him on the bank of the Nile, and you shall take in your hand the staff that was what? Turned into a serpent. So I think the immediate commentary And this is where I would say for those of you who are studying Hebrew and Greek and you're trying to go a little bit deeper, is the context 
often determines the word meaning. And this particular word, tanin or nakash, seems to have kind of various shades of meaning. And some scholars see in this the idea that God is sovereign over every creature, whether it's a crocodile or a snake or the ultimate serpent, Satan himself, God. Maybe that's why the variation is there. One writer says, the important point here is not zoological, but theological. The serpent was a symbol of Pharaoh's authority. That authority is being challenged. Pharaoh knew the challenge was coming and demanded a sign, and he got one. And you could see this almost as a contest where the bell is rung. Ding, ding. And here comes Moses and Aaron on this side. And on the other side is Pharaoh and all of his magicians and the power of Egypt. Who will win? Well, stay tuned for the next episode. And here they come. And Moses and Aaron came to the Pharaoh, verse 10, and thus they did, just as the Lord had commanded. And all God's people said, yeah, finally. They finally did what God commanded them to do without any more questioning. Are you sure? Are you sure you got the right guy? I don't know. I'm not good at talking. At what point will we finally say, Lord, I'm just going to do what you say for me to do? Amen? Some of you are like, and so they obeyed. And Aaron threw his staff down. I don't know if he took Moses' staff or it was Aaron's staff. But it is interesting, within the Ark of the Covenant later, Hebrews 9.4 says, inside the Ark of the Covenant was some things. It was, there was uh, having a gold altar of incense. The Ark of the Covenant had gold all around it. Inside the Ark was the golden jar of manna to remember God's miracle feeding of the Israelites. Aaron's rod which budded and the tablets of the covenant were inside the ark. And later, Aaron's rod that budded was a sign of his fruitful high priestly ministry, that it flowered, and it would ultimately flower under the Messiah. I don't know whose staff it was, if Aaron had a separate one, or if he just took Moses's, I'm assuming, the latter. And he threw it down, literally he hurled it down before Pharaoh and his serpent, serpent, <laughs> serpents, maybe that was on purpose, and it became a serpent. They came in, maybe something like this, let my people go, you're going to have to show me a sign. Boom, down goes the staff, and now, if you're standing there, you have to go, wow, impressive. <laughs> I wouldn't want anybody doing that in my living room. Uh, but it becomes this serpent. You could say, they threw down. <laughs> they came right into Pharaoh's throne, his command center, and threw down. And here's something from my notes. The God of the Bible will ultimately challenge and defeat all the false gods of Egypt, in quotes. Would to God that we would lay down our false gods before him. Whatever false gods we happen to worship, the Holy Spirit eventually will confront them. Have you noticed? All the things that we hold on to, God wants to swallow up. And sometimes we hold on to things because of fear. And as I read uh, more on the Egyptians and snakes and stuff like that, you come to find out that part of the reason that they were so enamored with the serpent was that they were afraid of the serpent. And so they tried to kind of embrace this and uh, deal with their fear. God wants to deal with our fears as well. What's the purpose of this particular sign? I think it's just that. 
God wants to deal with the darkest things in our lives. Maybe even the things that we find ourselves gravitated to and we don't even know why. Here's one commentator. The Egyptians were fascinated with snakes partly because they were afraid of them. Many of them carried amulets to protect them from Apaphos, Apaphos, the serpent god who personified evil. He was the god of darkness and chaos. Egyptian literature contains various spells and incantations to afford protection from a snake bite. It was this fear of snakes that led Pharaoh to use a serpent as a symbol of royal authority. His ceremonial headdress, like the famous death mask of Tutankhamun, was created with a fierce female cobra. Let's go to that photo for a second. I want you to see. In 1925, they uh, found the uh, Tutankhamun um, burial chamber. I hope we have the photo back there. Okay, one sec. You're going to see that there is a vulture on top of the headdress, and there is a female cobra ready to strike. So just take a look at the top of the headdress. This is something that you can see even today. It's in, the, uh, it's in a museum in Egypt, I believe in Cairo. And you can see on the right side of the headdress is, you, on the left is the vulture, on the right side is the cobra. And this was a death mask. This was a funerary mask that Tutankhamun wore. But it seems to be uh, common that this is how history verifies, you know, the history is trying to catch up with the Bible is what we should say, Right. And so this is what the Egyptians did. And this is a piece of, um, you know, something from history, archaeology, that would give us a little bit more of affirmation of what they were into. The idea was that the pharaoh would terrorize his enemies the way a cobra strikes fear into her prey. Despite the fear of snakes, the ancient Egyptians nevertheless were drawn to worship them. This is how Satan generally operates, still quoting, using fear to gain power. I would say this last year, we've seen a whole lot of that. Serpent worship was particularly strong in the Nile Delta, where the Hebrews lived. The Egyptians built a temple in honor of the snake goddess Wajit, who was represented by the hieroglyphic sign of the cobra. Some of the pharaohs believed that she had brought them to the throne and invested them with her divine powers. Others considered her to be the, their protector. In an inscription found at Tanis, Pharaoh Taharka claimed, I had taken the diadems of Ray, and I had assumed a double serpent crest as the protection of my limbs. After surveying other evidence, John Currid concludes, the serpent-crested diadem of Pharaoh symbolized all the power, sovereignty, and magic with which the gods endued the king. By finding his security in the serpent god, Pharaoh was actually making his allegiance with Satan. The ancient manuscripts are explicit about this. When Pharaoh ascended the throne of Egypt, he would take the royal crown and say these very words. Get this. This is scary. He would say, Egypt, he would take the royal crown and say, O great one, O magician, O fiery snake, let there be terror of me like the terror of thee. Let there be fear of me like the fear of thee. Let there be awe of me like the awe of thee. Let me rule, a leader of the living. Let me be powerful, a leader of spirits, close quote. To the throne, the Pharaoh would go, calling out to the snake god. This is reminiscent of some stories we've heard where people 
in showbiz and rock and roll sell their soul to the devil. You'll hear more from Pastor Michael in a moment. Listen to our podcast mini-series, A Step Closer. In these series, Pastor Michael Lance and others on the Walk in Truth team discuss topics we face in our life from a Christian perspective. So the point is, starting with Gurdjieff, they believe this is, this is the cosmos. Everything goes in here. If you can't put it in here, it doesn't belong. This tells you the meaning of the whole universe, not the Bible, not the Word of God, this stuff. Modern science has shown that worry and stress actually can shave away at the years right. of your life. You'll, you'll add some things, but they won't be the kind of value adds that you want. No. Even if we threw out having to land on when does life begin, when a majority of those abortions happen, right, is in between generally 6 to 12 weeks. It has become traditional among many pagans to mark the four quarters of the Samhain circle with jack-o'-lanterns. But it might also be in keeping with the season to light one white candle in a jack-o'-lantern placed in the window or on a front porch to beckon the spirits. You can listen to A Step Closer on walkintruth.com or you can subscribe and follow Walk In Truth on your favorite podcast app like Apple Podcast, iHeartRadio, Spotify, and many more. We'd love to see who's listening, so please connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. Just do a search for Walkin' Truth Show. Now, back to Pastor Michael Lance, right here on Walkin' Truth. This is reminiscent of some stories we've heard where people in showbiz and rock and roll sell their soul to the devil. For what? For temporary power and fame. I'll do whatever it takes. I don't care what power I have to call upon. I don't care if it's dark or light. I don't care who it is. And some people who get involved in the new age, and you guys need to hear what I'm about to say, because now there are things amalgamating with Christian belief, and there are ideas from the East that are being embraced by Christians, and I'm not sure we know what we're dealing with, and I'm telling you that people have read some of these books, they've called out, they've done some of these mantras and found themselves in a tough spot. I've dealt with some of it personally, and I can tell you, you don't want to go there. You don't want to go there. And who knows whether the Pharaoh himself was possessed by Satan. Maybe that's what's really going on here. Maybe when Aaron and uh, Moses show up, that's the power that ultimately dominates this man. Because he's opened himself up to it. Because he's called upon these spirits to give him power to rule. And of all things, a snake. All we have to do is go back to Genesis chapter 3. Amen. The fall chapter. And there's Eve hanging by the tree that said wet paint. What was she doing there? We don't know. Making sure it was really wet. Where was Adam? We don't know. Probably watching the World Series, something. And the serpent showed up, and he was more crafty than all the beasts of the field. And what did he say? Did God really say? Right? Some people say, a serpent speaking, come on. Oh, it's what the Bible says. But it says that the, the animal itself was simply a tool for the ultimate serpent. Later, the book of Revelation will call him the serpent of old who leads people astray, 
who is on the hunt always, who loves to operate in these dark places, but also loves to masquerade as an angel of light. You can be religious and still follow me. He even said to Jesus, hey, just bow down to me and I'll give you all the kingdoms of the world. You don't have to go to the cross. You don't have to defeat me. You don't have to, right? This is what he does. He's a liar and the father of lies. It's hard to imagine that an a individual would start crying out to snake gods. Oh, but it happens. Because people are enamored with this stuff. And they think, well, if I can call out and get some power, if it gives me power over my enemies. And when God curses the serpent, he says, basically, you're going to go to the dust and on your belly... That's how you're going to move around. Cursed are you more than cattle, more than every beast of the field. On your belly you shall go. Genesis 3.14. And dust you shall eat all the days of your life. And I will put enmity between you and the woman. And between your offspring and hers. Who's the woman, brethren? Israel. Who does Moses and Aaron represent? Israel, who is in Egyptian bondage under the snake? Israel. And Moses is saying, this ain't going to happen no more. And down goes the staff and it turns into a serpent. And I think the Pharaoh's got the message now. We got a contest on. Because there's power here too. Some power that maybe he experienced. Maybe he talks about or doesn't talk about. I don't know. And it goes on to say of this serpent between your offspring and hers, the ultimate offspring, the ultimate seed is the Messiah coming from Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and down through the line. He will crush your head, the serpent, and you will strike him on his heel, Genesis 3.15. Isn't it interesting that this captures this long battle going all the way to something that's called the proto-evangel, the first... uh, articulation of the hope of a coming Messiah all the way back in Genesis 3, 15, right in the fall chapter, right with the serpent there and the ultimate serpent, God says, a Messiah's coming. He's going to crush your head. You're going to bruise his heel. You're going to strike at him. He is going to die for the sin of the world, but ultimately he will crush your head. You've been listening to The Staff and the Serpent, Part 2 on Walk in Truth. And that was Pastor Michael's teaching in Exodus chapter 7, verses 8 through 13. And if you missed any part of the program today, you can listen to Walk in Truth on our free Living Truth app or wherever you get your podcasts. Now, our Living Truth app is the one with the red logo with the pillars. With our app, you can learn more about Living Truth Christian Fellowship, which is the church behind Walk in Truth. And that's where Pastor Michael Lance serves as senior pastor. If you're local to Southern California, the app gives you updates and information about upcoming Bible studies and free events, both for you and your kids, like our annual Harvest Festival coming later this month. You can also learn about this Sunday's service and what the teaching will be on. Pastor Michael would love it if he came by for a visit. If you live outside Southern California, you can still benefit from our Living Truth app. You can listen or watch Pastor Michael's previous teachings, and you can contact the church if you have any questions or comments. Download the free Living Truth app from your app store. And remember, it's the one with the red logo with the pillars. Now here's Pastor Michael with a final word. Well, you may be wondering, is it possible for miracles like this to happen today? 
And I would say yes, because the Lord, Jesus Christ, is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And so we can see miracles that occurred in the Old Testament. It's not like they were every day, perhaps, uh, in certain seasons they were, but you can see that there's pockets of miracles that are recorded in the Bible. God is a God of miracles. Could we see something like this today? Perhaps. It's not the norm. We have, uh, of course, a complete Bible before us, but the same God, the same power of the Holy Spirit is in us. To do what? Well, to swallow up serpents in another sense. In what sense, you say, Pastor Michael? Well, maybe you have a friend who's dabbled in some dark stuff and they need prayer. Maybe you just need to show up into a dark situation where the serpent, you know, has, uh, let's just say, slithered in and you can bring some light and you can help someone come to know the God who sets people free. You know, those are some practical thoughts, but yes, God is still a God of miracles and he, he is in the delivering business. He can do whatever he wants, whenever he wants, but his main desire is to see people get saved and to become more like his son. And that's our goal right here on Walk in Truth. Hey, we're so glad you're listening to the book of Exodus. This is Pastor Michael Lance. So as we're approaching the weekend, I want to encourage you to get plugged into a local church. If you haven't been going, you know, we, we hear on uh, Christian radio, the, the experts that are out there tell us that a portion of our listening family is unchurched. And then some of you don't know Jesus yet, but you're curious. You've been listening. Here you are listening to the second book of the Old Testament, and it may seem a little bit strange to you at times. Uh, maybe, maybe you're resonating with it. But here's what I want to say to you. One of the best ways you can get to know the Lord, of course, first and foremost, is to seek him in prayer, read his word, ask him to come into your life and save you right now. But then to become part of his body. What does that mean? Well, there's local bodies of Christian believers all over the place. And if you live in the United States, you know this, depending on where you live, some places there's a church on every corner. Why? What is that all about? Well, local congregations want to express Christ wherever they may be. I happen to be one of the pastors at a local congregation. Radio ministry is something we do as an additional outreach and way to help the church, but I have a local church that there are people who know me and I know them and we love each other. And it's an awesome thing. We just celebrated 15 years as a church. You say, what church, Pastor Michael? Well, it's Living Truth Christian Fellowship in Southern California, right here in the city of Corona in the Inland Empire. As we approach the weekend, I want to let you know that we do three Sunday morning services. Our two main ones are 8.30 and 10.30 a.m., where we go through books of the Bible. We happen to be finishing up the Song of Solomon, and then we're going to get into the wonderful book of Matthew on Sunday mornings and begin to move verse by verse through that. I want to extend an invitation. If you haven't been to church for a long time, maybe you've never stepped foot into a church. This is your first introduction to Christianity. You'd like to know more. 8.30 a.m., 10.30 a.m., if you're anywhere within driving distance of the Inland Empire, we'd love to have you here to experience a service. If you're close enough, perhaps you'd make this your home church. We'd love for that to happen for you. 
You might be asking, well, where is the church? Hey, it's right off of uh, Lincoln and the 91 Freeway, the northern end of Corona, right on the border of Norco and Corona. And we're at 1009 Arsenal Way. And uh, the best way to get driving directions is to go to walkintruth.com, walkintruth.com, and click on the church tab. Or you can download the Living Truth Christian Fellowship app in your app store. And uh, when you do that, you can find out exactly where the church is, what we have for kids, um, teenagers, etc. We have a third Spanish service that happens at one in the afternoon. So there's much for you to benefit from, including men's and women's Bible studies, a marriage ministry, so much um, that I could mention right now. We, we do a lot of outreach and we're excited to be part of this community and to be uh, the Lord's light as he shines through us uh, into this world. And so if you want to check it out, go to walkintruth.com, click on that church tab, or download the Living Truth Christian Fellowship app in your app store. Do it today. It's the Red Pillar, and I hope to meet you or see you soon. Remember, you can always catch us on our YouTube channel. If you can't get here or you live out of state, just go to walkintruth.com and click on the church tab. God bless you. Remember, Walk in Truth is a listener-supported ministry. Your financial partnership helps us broadcast on this station and provide the podcast for free. It's also so more people like you can dive deeper into the Word of God and apply it to their life. Please consider becoming a Walk in Truth monthly partner of at least $5 a month or give a one-time gift. Visit walkintruth.com to give. And join us on Monday for part three of Pastor Michael's teaching in Exodus chapter 7, verses 8 through 13, called the staff and the serpent. I'm Mike Massaro. Thanks for listening to Walk in Truth. Our goal is to equip you to reach out with God's truth to all people.